This is the NRL.com Fantasy Podcast. Welcome to episode two of the NRL Fantasy Podcast. I'm Andrew Bryan, deputy editor of NRL.com. I'm joined in the studio this week by NRL.com fantasy experts, Chris Kennedy and Adrian McMurray. Boys, massive show, and we are just days away from Teamless Tuesday. Yep, uh, I can sense the anticipation in the room <laughs> right now. Adrian's just exuding it everywhere. It's uh, Look, it's an exciting time. The trials are done and dusted. We've got the weekend off, and then we're right into round one. In this episode, we're going to look at the final week of the trials. There's lots of injuries to cover. The World Club Series in the UK, plus finish our positional guide, where we go in-depth on the halves, centres, wings, and fullback positions. Let's get into the show. The latest in league. All right, boys, the biggest talking points of the week in NRL Fantasy were the injuries from the trials. Let's start off with the Titans. They were hit hard. Uh, Nathan Peets with a shoulder injury. He's out for four to six weeks. And their backup hooker, Pat Politoni, he also had a broken arm. Yeah, a few little fantasy implications are from this one. The, the Titans are basically out of specialist hookers at the moment. Um, I know a few people did have Nathan Peets, even though he had a, uh, a shadow of a bench utility looming over him. Um, so he's definitely a no-go for the start of the season. Um, Pat Politoni, I don't think, was in too many teams. But it, what it's probably going to mean is that Tyrone Roberts goes to hooker. So we're guaranteed 80-minute uh, starting games in the halves for Ash Taylor and Kane Elgy. Now, I know Kane Elgy is just about the most picked player in fantasy at the moment, but at just 197k uh, and guaranteed 80 minutes a week, barring injury for the opening sort of month or two of the, the competition, it makes him very appealing. It's funny these things always have a way of working themselves out when at the start of the season looked like the Titans had those three halves, didn't know where they're all going to sort of fit in, but uh, you know injuries present themselves and that's that's where Tyron Roberts is likely to, to slot in. A bit annoying on a personal note that Pete's is out. Uh, I did manage to pick him up in in our draft <laughs> the other the other week, so. I'll be, uh, I'll be scrambling through the free agents looking for another hooker at this stage. Yeah, we had an eventful draft. I was happy with my team, and now we're starting to see them sort of get, get injured already, which is a bit <laughs> of a hassle. Of course, uh, you can check out NRL Draft on fantasy.nrl.com. It's a great way to play fantasy, but we're talking about classic. And another key injury was at the Cowboys. Antonio Winnerstein with an ankle injury. Uh, he was on record saying he thinks he'll be back round three, rounds four, but that opens up the door for everyone's favourite cheapy Kalen Ponga, Adrian. Yeah, well, I, I think most of us had him somewhere in our squad uh, even before this injury to Winnerstein, and that's just made him even more appealing. Even as a, a fourth or fifth wing fullback, you don't have to have him in your 17, but just, just for those initial price rises, and you never know what other injuries will pop up, I think the Cowboys will be looking to squeeze every little bit they can get out of uh, Ponga's final year in Townsville. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think I've got him in my 25 at the moment. He's a, he's a low-risk option because he's cheap, so he's not really going to cost you any money. Um, Worst-case scenario is he just doesn't play. Um, do we know that he's got his nose in front of Javid Bowen at this point? Javid Bowen plays centre, plays there's, wing. There's a lot of speculation there. From a fan's point of view, Pong is in my team, and we saw what he could do at the Nines. There's so much wraps on him, obviously the big deal with Newcastle, but I still feel that he's a bit of a risk. Mm. Well, he's a good player, but um, the fact that he has already signed elsewhere, um, it sort of makes coaches is a little bit reluctant to use players sometimes. If it's a long-serving stalwart who's a senior part of your team and you know someone like a, a Torhu Harris, for example, who's off to the Warriors in 2018, um, he's obviously going to get used because he's given great service to, to Melbourne and it's you know it's all very amicable. But Callum Ponger, uh, you know, this bright young rookie who the Cowboys were pinning their sort of future hopes on to, to go out the door before he's even really started, there could be a, a potential... I guess, incentive for, for Paul Green to just not use him and to, to blood other youngsters rather than develop a good player for another club. 
Will you boys be taking the risk on him or are you waiting till Teamless Tuesday? Well, yeah, I'll certainly wait till Teamless Tuesday to make the final decision. But like I said, he's fairly low risk because he won't lose money. So, yeah, he's an easy option. Yeah, he's sitting on the bench there for me at the moment. But Teamless Tuesday all will be revealed. All right, let's just get through the final couple of injuries. We've got Will Matthews, who in the Charity Shield dislocated his hip, which was an awful scene. And Sam McKendry looks like he's re-injured that knee from last year. So they're going to spend a lot of time on the sidelines. Yeah, Sam McKendry, uh, we initial fears it was going to be a season end, and now they're saying that he's got a, a partial tear rather than a full tear and a bit of stability in the knees, so hopefully he'll be back in a couple of months. Um, not massively fantasy relevant. Obviously, uh, he missed the, the second half of the season last year. Um, I guess James Tamo we're talking about as a potential underpriced prop option. Um, if anything, it's going to sort of increase the importance on Tamo's performances. Um, as for Will Matthews, there's so many guys in that sort of position with you, you look at, you know, Jacob emerging and all your DeBellins, Frizzell's, Tarek Sims around there as well. Um, I don't know if he was looking at massive minutes, so not sure how uh, important that is for our fantasy teams. Yeah, I, I didn't see uh, McKendry sort of in the Panthers' best 17 even, given the, mm. the depth of talent they have up front. So no real movement from a fantasy perspective there, but uh, we certainly do hope that he... Uh, gets fit and firing soon because he's uh, certainly a great addition to that pack. All right, both teams in the UK got through relatively unscathed from the injury point of view. They got hurt on the scoreboard, but what did we learn from the Broncos and Sharks over there? The Broncos were up against it early. They were under siege in the first 20 minutes. They sort of came back, but there were worrying signs there for the Broncos. There were. Uh, I guess the big talking points was the, the pack and how they sort of used their forwards. Uh, Offa Hengahi got the start in the front row there. Did very well, uh, statistically at least, uh, making a heap of tackles, a heap of metres. Uh, however, they did keep Adam Blair and Corbin Sims at home. Their trial form exceptional by the sounds of things and they look like a lock for the front row in round one. Uh, Josh Maguire, all that speculation as to who was going to lock the scrum that's over now. He's going to be in the number 13 jersey for the long term. And uh, there's still those, I guess, a bevy of young <laughs> young forwards there that are still... There's still... No one's really emerging, but I guess Offahengahi and uh, SES, who dropped back to the bench uh, mm. with, with Blair and Sims coming back they in. They didn't really do themselves any favours, though. They looked, like, especially up the middle in that first 20 minutes. It's a very hard place to go to England. It's cold. The atmosphere was electric. It, they, they were outmanned in the middle of the field and that'll probably show up in Wayne Bennett's team list. Yeah, for sure. And obviously they're sort of in their season and the Aussie teams are it's still in their off-season technically and they, they both teams look quite unprepared. Um, the Sharks as well really got smacked through the middle. A um, little bit confusing for them because their um, their wingers were a, a forward and a, a rookie um, with Valentine Holmes and Sasai Fecky both out with short-term injuries and not making the trip. Um, the forward pack looked exactly the same as it did last year, pretty much other than um, Michael Lennis being absent from the hooking role. They started with Jaden Braley, who um, certainly looks a prospect. He did a few nice things. He had a really good charge down and regather in the second half, and he, he didn't look out of place in defence. I think he played about 50-odd 50, 50 minutes, but he is, um, he is reasonably small um, for a starting hooker. I know there's a few other small hookers going around, but being young as well. Is he going to get eased in the first grade? Are they going to risk him with the starting spot? They've got, obviously, um, you know, New Brown they use as the bench utility in the, the World Club Challenge game. They've got Dan Mortimer there. Um, Anaya Cherrington went OK in his trial um, back at home. Um, so a few question marks around their, their hooking role at the moment, and I'm not quite sure how that's going to pan out, but Jaden Braley is certainly on the radar at this point. I don't think it's panic stations for either teams, but as Wayne Bennett said, he would much rather play that game over there in the intensity and he learns a lot more about his players over there than he might have in a trial. So even though it looked bad for them on the scoreboard and 
there's questions already around the Broncos, it's probably not the worst thing for them leading into round one. Yeah, certainly not panic stations. They were both, like I said, underprepared, and it's um, they will take something out of it, and it was an intense trial. Yeah, I wouldn't be. If I was a supporter of either of those teams, I'm not panicking that they're going to have a terrible season based on this one game. No, that's it. I think the Broncos especially used it more as a camp, a, a bonding sort of uh, exercise as opposed to the game itself. So, uh, And also the, the England teams, they, they did themselves, uh, you know, put on a really good show. All right, let's get into our position guide. We'll start with the halves, and there's no shortage of options here. I'll run through the five most-picked players at the moment, and we'll go from there. So we have Kane Elgy, Jonathan Thurston, Bryce Cartwright, Jai Field, Sean Nona, Sean Johnson. Let's start with Kane Elgy. He's 197,000, and if he's in your team, don't be surprised. He's in 50% of coaches' teams. Uh, He's a great option. Absolutely, and the... uh Roberts, you know, moving elsewhere to start the season certainly just clears any doubt we had. I think there was little doubt before that LG should be in your team. Really clears up uh, a lot of salary cap space that you can use elsewhere. So uh, a must-have, and the numbers reflect that. Yeah, even if he's just okay, he should work his way up to about three hundred thousand dollars. So it's uh, it's a pretty low risk way to make a, a decent, you know, pack of money at the the start of the season. I guess you've got four positions to fill, so he's a pretty good cheapy cash cow. He didn't play last year, so there's a few question marks on him, but there's no shortage of wraps on him, and he should get a lot of playmaking stats. Jonathan Thurston's the second most for obvious reasons. He's pretty expensive there, but we know what to expect from JT. The only question mark on JT is is he going to play every week, given that. If he plays all year, he's got Origin, he's got a World Cup. If everything goes well for the Kangaroos, he'll be playing all the way to December too. And JT himself has said that he's got to be smarter with resting himself throughout the year. Yeah, I think we can probably expect him to miss a game through the Origin period, other than obviously the, the ones that he sits out because he's in Origin camp. Um, we, I feel like we had the same conversation last year. Yeah, we're going to get Jonathan Thurston's going to be rested around Origin. I think maybe one game he missed. Um, he is very durable. Obviously, he just gets smashed every week because he's a big target, but he just keeps on keeping on. Obviously not getting any younger, but um, it's the great JT, so he's, uh, he should be pretty safe. Yeah, it's you know what you're going to get with Thurston, so his, his price isn't going to fluctuate too much, uh, and he's you know reasonably consistent as far as halves go. If you know what you're getting from Thurston, Bryce Cartwright's on this list. He's 483, dual position player, which is handy, but if he moves into the back row, is that going to help or hinder his scores? Well, I think it, it all comes down to his minutes now, really. Uh, we know his defensive workload is probably going to increase. Uh, he'll still have plenty of offloads, no doubt. Whether his attacking stats can can be maintained, though, uh, we don't know whether the, the defensive side of things is going to offset that. Mm. What we saw with uh, Bryce Carr last year is his scores actually improved when he went from the back row to 5'8", because he was playing both sides of the field. He was getting more try assists, a um, little bit more involved in the ball, and obviously playing 80 minutes a game and not getting quite so many missed tackles in defence, which has been an issue for him in the past. Playing in the back row now with so many uh, good forwards at the Panthers, you can see him being used in a bit more of an impact role. Um, probably, I would guess, going to get close to 80 minutes, but it's certainly not guaranteed now. Um, and if he does end up pinned to one side of the field, he might not see as much ball in attack as well. So definitely a risk there. So from the expensive players to the cheapies that the fans have picked out, and obviously we're all watching Teamless Tuesday for this, Jai Field, Sean Nona, both 138,000. Either of them, are they logistically a chance of making those teams? Well, it's, it sounded earlier on in the preseason that Nona was certainly in the mix. He seems to have dropped back in the pecking order now. It seems to be a race in two between Field and Macrone for round one. Field played a bit in the charity shield, went OK. Uh, Macrone as well. Neither of these guys really stuck their nose in front. So 
I guess um, a lot of team, a lot of fantasy coaches would have jumped on early and just filled up their their half spots with these uh, these cheapies. So we might see Nona's uh, ownership dip a little more as we get closer to round one. Um, Field, if he does start, you just put him on your bench and mm. you don't even put him in your 17. You don't need it, but he's just a cheap half that's playing. Yeah, there's, there's nothing a fantasy coach loves more than a rookie half who starts playing 80 minutes a week. Um, obviously, Jay Field and Sean Nona won't both play, so it's going to be one or the other if if it's either, with McCrone probably still likely to start the season there. Um, I'm not sure how much Nona was ever really in contention. There was a lot of excitement amongst fantasy coaches, but McGregor, right from the start, didn't really seem to be talking much about Sean Nona, who uh, is a bit more of a left-side, left-foot player, a bit like Gareth Widdett so maybe they're not the, the perfect combination to gel together. Jay Field certainly looked a prospect in the nines. His pace was uh, on show. Very, very different player to Josh McCrone, who's a bit more of your steady, um, you know, journeyman controlling half. Um, I can just see him getting the nod, which is going to disappoint a few fantasy coaches come round one. All right, the enigma for fantasy for me, Sean Johnson, plays in a Warriors team that's been hot and cold, and his stats over the years have been hot and cold in fantasy. He'll go weeks where he scores 80s and 90s and looks a million bucks, and then he'll just disappear and score your 20s and 30s. It's a risk you take with Sean Johnson, but he normally averages out mid-50s. 484,000, is it a gamble worth taking? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's certainly a gamble. Was it last year or the year before that he dropped 100, 150k over the opening rounds and then, you know, people are just getting desperate and selling him because he's not scoring and the rest of us who didn't have him are jumping on him because he was so underpriced. Then obviously, because it's Sean Johnson, he came back roaring back. He was scoring 90s every second week and he got back, I think, to above his his starting price. So he's someone that can have these huge form swings where he'll drop 100,000 and then make it all back with interest. Um, The question mark for me is what impact Kieran Foran has, assuming that um, Foran and so his, four, his contract's been registered, as we now know, for round three onwards. So basically the whole season. Um, Sean Johnson, is that going to benefit him? Is it going to... Having someone else there to help control the team, is it going to help him take his game to the next level? Is it going to take some of the focus away from him so he might be playing better in actual rugby league but not getting the same quantity of stats in NRL fantasy so his price might dip from that point of view? I don't know. What do you think? It's funny, thinking back to when Foran played with Cherry Evans, Cherry Evans' best fantasy form came when, I don't know if there's any coincidence in this, but came when he was playing alongside Foran. Mm. Foran's a weird sort of fan. He's one of those players, I guess like if you think back to Darren Lockyer, exceptional player, but for whatever reason, fantasy scores, Mm. not so good. He'll win you three or four games in a row, but he'll still only score 30 points in fantasy and you'll wonder how how it happened. It's bizarre. So if this theory, uh, (laughs) we can bring it across to the Warriors... We might see, uh, maybe not straight away, but in a couple of weeks' time when, mm. when Foran hits, uh, hits the team, that Johnson's scores sort of increase. I mean, they're playing with the Kiwi spine, so if they get together for a long time, you'd think that that's got to help Johnson mm. and help him create a lot more attacking stats, but also just consistently across the season, we might see him just average more medium 50s and then hit those big scores rather than dropping to the 20s and 30s. For sure. With Roger Tuovasashek and Isaac Luke both there as well, their forwards just have to not lose the battle in the middle every week and those guys should really light up and do some amazing things. But it is the Warriors and, you know, they've let us all down before, so I guess we'll have to wait and see how it pans out. <laughs> all right, you mentioned Daly Cherry Evans before. He's 471, uh, obviously had a tough year last year. There was a myriad of players that was partnered with him. But even after all the troubles that Manly had, he still averaged 50 points in fantasy last year. Now he gets Blake Green next to him. Is that going to help or hinder him? It's almost the same as Sean Johnson. Yeah, I think Green will certainly take uh, some kicking duties off 
Cherry Evans. So you might see a little drop there. But generally, I think having a consistent halves partner, an experienced halves partner, will only help uh, help Cherry Evans' scores. And, uh, you know, Cooper Cronk still performed reasonably well in fantasy last year playing alongside Green. So I can't see why mm. a proven uh, fantasy star in Cherry Evans won't do the same. Well, can we run the same Kieran Foran theory that we were running for um, for Kieran and Sean Johnson over at the Warriors? Can we run that to, to Blake Green and Daly Cherry Evans, who, as you said, scored his best when he had someone like Kieran Foran alongside him? Um, as you mentioned, Andy, he still went okay last year, but could having a Blake Green there to take the pressure off him, help him build his game and, and actually go to the next level again in 2017? The trial that I was at, Blake Green was taking a lot of the, um, I guess, the, the mid-range kicks, so the attacking cross-field bombs, while Daly Cherry Evans was taking a lot of the grubbers and they were sort of sharing the, the long clearing kicks. Um, what that means for Daly Cherry Evans' kick meter is probably going to drop a little bit, but if it helps boost his attacking stats, it could actually be a net gain for him. I mean, you and Martin, our other colleague, was out at Manly talking to all the players yesterday, and there's a feeling that they will play both sides of the field where they haven't previously. Yeah, I, I can't really see it happening, to be honest. The trial I was at, they were absolutely just stuck to the left and the right. Green was marshalling the left and Daly was on the right. It was like the old days where it was Daly Cherry Evans with Glenn Stewart and um, Jamie Lyon on the right, Kieran Foran over there with, you know, your Matt Eyes and Watmos on the left. They were, they were basically playing like that. Um, maybe that was just a trial and they're just blowing the cobwebs out and they actually are going to swing around and play like um, like Kieran Foran and Corey Norman were in their limited time together at Parramatta last year where they were very, you know, both sweeping all the way left and right, but um, early signs to me suggest I don't know if they're really going to be mixing it up all that much. So let's quickly go through these. Tamari Martin, 294. He looks undervalued if he cements that 5'8 role in a Panther side that you think is going to do really well this year and get a lot of attacking stats. There aren't many uh, halves sort of at that mid-range level that have a real upside to them. And Tamari Martin seems to be the most promising of all of those. Uh, so if you are looking for someone sort of around the 300 mark that actually could, you know, really go places this year, I think he's your man. Yeah, there's two right next to each other. Tamari Martin at 294 and uh, Brock Lamb from Newcastle at 282. Both of these guys are expecting are just going to be locks for their team come come round one, I think, to Murray Martin. He was quite good in the trial. I was at the Penrith Power one. Um, he sort of worked his way into that game. He had a really good second half. I think there was a play where he uh, threw a really nice pass to put Matt Moylan in space, then he backed up the next play to kick um, for a try. Um, so he was, that effort on effort thing was there, and his, um, his vision was there, and his ball playing was there. So uh, it looks like a good player this year. We saw him obviously explode um, in his debut last year before he got injured and, and made a bit of cash. I think both him and, and Brock Lamb, who's also going to be a regular at Newcastle, will get enough stats. They'll probably make a bit of money. But when you're talking about someone who's almost 300k, um, they're close to a ceiling for a, a, a half who isn't one of those really, you know, Cherry Evans, Sean Johnson types. Like they're the, the same price basically as Luke Brooks, who's uh, pretty much an established player at the Tigers now. You talk about making money. Let's put a bow on it by looking at Adahinganu and Farmer Manu Brown, who you mentioned at the top, mm -hmm. 143 and 149 respectively. So they are your bottom base cheap half options. Uh, either of those worthy. I mean, Adahinganu, there's got to be a big question mark on him now that Kieran Foran at the Warriors is going to start in round three. That's the thing. He looked so appealing until the Foran announcement came through that he, he would be able to be selected in round three. So he's only got two rounds of, of price rises unless something else happens. Um, so, I mean, if you can find other halves for your, for your bench spots, do so. But if you do need a cheap guy just from the get-go that's not going to be part of your squad but you just need to fill a spot, Hingana's your guy. 
Yeah, it's a, it's an annoying one. You almost, you know, from a fantasy coach perspective, wish that Foran was clear from about round six just to give Hingano a solid run <laughs> for some price rises. At, at 143, if he's going to be playing 80 minutes in the halves, he could make 20, 30 grand both of the two weeks that he plays. But, but is it, it worth burning a trade? How much is a trade worth to you exactly? And they start, you know, they're like hen's teeth at the end of the year, so you don't want to be too profligate with them at the start of the season. Um, so I probably won't start with him for that reason. And as for New Brown, I think uh, likely to be a bench utility. They're just a no-go in fantasy, as we've seen uh, many times over the years. Nope, not touching New Brown. <laughs> I do hope he does well, though, in this uh, new role <laughs> they've carved out for him. All right, is there any other players in the halves that you want to touch on before we move into the centres? Um, I might just mention Corey Norman quickly because we saw him go from quite a good player to a, just an absolute elite player last year. Um, his stats exploded as well. He was racking up, you know, 400 kick metres in a game. Just his, his long boot was right on. Um, he's 460k, so he's amongst the most expensive halves um, in NRL fantasy. But uh, as the dominant half with Clint Gutherson alongside him, he's going to be taking pretty much all the kicks. Um, and if his vision is such that we saw last year and in both nines campaigns, he could be getting a lot of try assists as well. Um, probably won't play Origin because uh, assuming that uh, Thurston and Cronker fit and there's a couple of guys in front of him for the Queensland side, um, Parramatta have a wonderful buy schedule as well. So if you're an overall coach rather than a head-to-head coach, uh, Corey Norman looks very attractive. That's exactly what I was going to say, the buy schedule as well. Uh, he could be a real point of difference in your halves. And if you think the Eels are going to go well like you do this year, CK, then he's going to get a lot of attacking stats and that's going to be great for his scores. Yeah, exactly. He's 40 grand cheaper than Nathan Cleary and, and Mitchell Pearce, who are the most expensive halves, and he, uh, he could potentially just about match those guys. All right, let's go straight into the centre position. And to be honest, this is the one I'm having the most problems with. I find it really hard to find value there. When you're trying to fill out your squad, you've got to find out where you want to spend most of your money. And centres is not where I'm spending my money. But let's run through the five most popular players in the centre position, as picked by the fans. So you've got Jamal Idris, Robert Jennings, Sione Matautia, Tom Trebojevic and Jordan Kahu, the one that everyone's talking about, the one that's in most teams, Jamal Idris, 148, so he's cheap, so he's obviously a great option. Great to see Jamal back in the game. What do we know about Jamal coming back? It is wonderful to see him back uh, at the Tigers as well. Looks like he should have a a centre spot nailed down um, given uh, Tim Simona's suspension. Um, At his price, I think he's a must-have. Even if he's not one of your starting centres, as you were sort of talking about, Andy, save some money in the centres and and Idris does that. Yeah, I I can't really see any downside to Jamal at all. Like, absolute worst case, you know, something happens and he gets injured, then it's, you know, you just have to trade him out. But he's he's so cheap. He's starting in the centres. He's breaking a lot of tackles in the trials. I think you've just got to pick him and don't get creative with it. Everyone's going to have him. Just pick him and don't miss out on the price rises. All right, the second most picked, Robert Jennings, 138, dual position player. The injury to Aaron Gray obviously makes him a viable option. But is he likely to be the one at the Rabbitohs? Um, I don't think so, no. Uh, the trial I was at CSC for Talakai, I think I got that right, um, looked really good in the centres. He, um, he scored a try and he set up one. Um, Braden Burns is the rookie we're talking about as being next cab off the rank for the wing. I think Robert Jennings is probably a little bit down the pecking order at this point. Yeah, no, agreed. Talakai and Burns look, look to be the, the men there, sort of in contention for round one. Sione's an interesting one at 299, dual position player, likely to play in the back row for the Knights. He's made that transition from the wing to the back row, so he could be an option if you've got a bit of money to spend. Certainly. I think uh, around that price point, uh, Dylan Walker's also in and around there, just around the 300 mark, uh, Sione 299. Uh, But certainly his new role, his dual position status, I think he's really one to consider uh, as a centre. 
Yeah, worth looking at definitely. Uh, with Jamie Bure coming along and, and Mitch Barnett really breaking out last year, and you know there's quite a few back rowers at Newcastle at the moment. Um, I don't know what his minutes are going to be like. Uh, it seems like he's been starting in the trials, so they'll probably be fairly solid. But 2.99 is an all-out cheap. Um, potentially a bit of upside there, but I'm not getting all that excited about Sione from a fantasy point of view just yet. All right, if you've got cash to splash, Tom Turojevic, he's a dual position player. He's 3.91, so he doesn't come cheap. Last year, he carried an injury for most of the year, but played on because Manly were decimated by injuries. And he still averaged 45, mm. close to 50. Uh, he's now taking that fullback spot and making it his own. Surely, Tom Trebojevic, if you're looking for a superstar, either at the centre or fullback position, then he's your man. Well, he was very young, fresh out of 20s, on one leg, getting shuffled around position to position and still destroying it. Um, he's had his ankle cleaned up, off-season surgery, looks fit. Um, he's a year older, he's a year bigger and more filled out. He's got the fullback position just with no competition now. Um, 391 is expensive, but I think he can uh, go to the next level this year. Yeah, so uh, I was looking to save a bit of cash. I had Tedesco at the back earlier on. Uh, but then I looked at uh, Trevojevic, got him in, and I can really see no, no real negatives. Mm. Uh, it's all it's all up. Uh, you've you've spoken about his injury, and and now he's he's fit and firing a bit, a year older, more experienced. Uh, this could be a, a breakout year where we sort of see him reach the sort of upper echelons of uh, you know fantasy backs. Yep. And preseason's all about training houses down and putting in the extra step. Jordan Kahu, there's massive reps coming about him and him taking his game to the next level in the centres. He's locked down that spot. At 253, he could be a good option. And again, he's dual position. Yeah, well, he um, he's one who's definitely got some upside because he was sharing the goal-kicking duties with Corey Parker last year. Um, Corey's retired, Kahu's got it on his own. He was also getting shuffled around a bit between wing and centre and that sort of thing. Um, so at 2.53, I think a starting centre um, who looks in really good form. His, uh, his nines form, obviously, was great, um, and his form towards the end of the last year was great. So a starting centre who's t- the, the team's goal-kicker and in good form at 2.53 looks pretty appealing. Yeah, the, the price is a little tricky around that mark, but if you do sort of need to, to fill a spot with that, uh, that amount of cash, I think Kahu's probably one of the better options there. Talking about better options, you can't go much better than Joey Leilua. Last year he was destroying teams on his own and having a lot of fun at Canberra. Can he do it again? He's $464,000. Can you afford him? If you can, obviously he's the centre to have. Yeah, certainly. If you want to go all out in your centres, Joey Leilua is your man. That price is a bit off-putting for me. I think he can't uh, really make too much of a gain from there. If anything, he's going to drop the first few rounds. Uh, Could be a good one to pick up later in the year, though. Yeah, I can't possibly justify 464k on a centre. Absolute best case scenario is he does what he did last year and he maintains that price and that form. Um, the other option is that he doesn't quite match it and he drops money, in which case you're probably better off looking elsewhere to start the season. But is there a potential with Canberra? We know we talked about the injury last week to Jared Croker. Is there a potential that the Raiders compensate for that by going to Lay Lewis' side more? Croker's 449 Probably not in a lot of teams because of the injury. He'll be out for at least five to six rounds. But is there a chance Leilua's scores will be good because of Croker's injury? Yeah, they, there's a chance they could be as good as they were last year. I can't, I can't see them getting better. I just can't. All right, let's talk about one that always polarises the NRL.com office. Hmm. Mitch Orbison, CK, this is your favourite rule in fantasy. Do you want to explain the golden rule of fantasy? The golden rule of fantasy is never by Mitchell Orbison. That's all I think I need to say about that. Yes, it looks like he will start the year in the back row for the Roosters. Don't let that fool you, though. As soon as someone gets injured, (laughs) he'll be right back in the centres or he might be a bench utility. His versatility is his Achilles heel. 
don't do it to yourself. It's just you're going to give yourself a, a world of pain. Let's be clear. He's one of the most underrated players. He helped the Roosters to that nines title. But his versatility, as you say, he's one of the most versatile players in the game, can pretty much play anywhere. If he stays in the back row, he is a super option, but we've all been burnt by Mitch Orbison before. He's a, he's a wonderful player. He's critical to the Roosters. He does everything um, they ask him to do. He, he moves around because of his versatility. Um, obviously, like we said, that's his, his Achilles heel in fantasy. Um, he has had games where he plays 80 minutes in the back row and he scores 60, 70, 80 points because he you know scores tries like a centre and tackles like a back rower. But... Jeez, unless we, you know, Cordner and Guerra, um, you know, Ryan Madison, Takiaho to come back, Isaac Liu there, there's so many back rowers. And then, you, like you said, if he gets injuries elsewhere, he goes to the centres, I, I can't do it. You can absolutely guarantee, though, there'll still be people that'll tweet in saying, should I buy Mitch Orbison? I think we should just reply with one, no, just that's, that's all. No. All right, you mentioned Dylan Walker before, and there are a host of players, this is why centre is so tricky, there are a host of players around that 300, mid-300 range. You've got Jack Bird, Chase Blair, you've got Dane Gagai, Ricky Latelli, Conrad Hurrell. There's a lot of options there, but no clear standout. It's sort of, you're sort of taking a bit of gamble. You've pretty much got to pick a team that you think is going to start the year well, in which case the centres will start scoring well for you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, look, for me, Walker's sort of a bit down the pecking order. If I am going to spend around that much, I would look at Metaudia ahead of Walker, but certainly there is upside there with goal kicking and uh, also a return to form. Mm. Yeah, I like Walker this year. He was um, shuffled around last year. He caught a lot of stick for a lot of reasons. He wasn't great at 5'8", um, but he's he's done with the halves. He's a centre now. He's got the goal kicking duties. He looked red hot in the trial that I went to. He scored a blistering solo try. Um, assuming he's got his head screwed on straight, he could really be a, in for a breakout season in the centres where he's uh, best suited. All right, last but not least, let's go into the wing fullback role. You've got to pick five players in this position, so you've got to probably mix a few cash cows with a few stars, depending on your mix. Let's run through the most popular players in NRL Fantasy, as by the coaches. Jared Hayne, RTS, Kalen Ponga, Robert Jennings, Tom Travojevic, Billy Slater and Aquila Uate. Let's start with Jared Hayne. 200 grand, I think he's in all of our teams. The upside for Jared, if he hits form, is just too hard to ignore. Absolutely, you've got to have him. Uh, hasn't been able to take part in most of preseason. That injury from the nine sort of hampering things. Uh, but we, he should be good to go for round one. It's a no-brainer. You have him, 200k, do it. Yeah, even if he doesn't uh, quite make it to round one, I'm still going to start the season with him because you know he's going to play. It's only a minor injury. He'll be back round two or three, worst-case scenario. And at 200k, he, barring another injury, the worst-case scenario is he makes what, 100 grand? Like, he's he's a busy player. Mm. He does a lot of stuff. He won't be, you know, 2009, 2014, Jared Hayne probably, but, you know, worst case scenario, he's still going to be pretty good. I think you have to pick him. Talking about making money, RTS, 286. We saw what he did at the Roosters when he was fully fit and at the back he was scoring points for fun. Last year, interrupted with injury, but with the Kiwi spine, which we touched on at the top of the show, 286 looks like a pretty good price for RTS. Well, yeah, we saw him uh, two years ago at the Roosters, and his run metres, his kick return metres, his tackle breaks were just absolutely insane. And he had try assists and tries on top of that. Um, 286 is a big discount for Rogers, so uh, assuming he stays fit, he's, uh, he's going to make a fair bit of money, I think. I think it's yeah, similar case to Hayne. Uh, you just put him in your, your wing fullback there because of his price and the potential for his return to his explosive best. It was a couple, It was that year, I think it was Hayne and RTS were two top-scoring uh, wing fullbacks and mm. they were you know, even up there in terms of players overall, which is unheard of yeah. for players in that position. So I think the template's certainly going to be Hayne, RTS and 
and your pick. some others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, we've already talked about Ponga, Jennings, and Trebojevic, so we'll go down the list. Billy Slater, 212, still struggling with that shoulder injury. There's a lot of question marks on Billy Slater, whether he will be back and when he'll be back. At 212, if he plays, I think you've got to have him, but there's a lot of question marks on that shoulder and if and when he'll return. Uh, at 140 or 150, I'd take the risk at 212. I'm not going to. I think um, there's too many question marks over the shoulder. And even if he plays, he's, what, 34-year-old fullback? Um, greatest fullback I've ever seen, no doubt. But I think it's time to look to other options. Yeah, I'm certainly not going to be starting the year with him. And I won't even consider it until I see him on a team sheet somewhere. Mm. Um, but certainly, look, hopefully he gets back. And uh, if he does actually get back and, and plays reasonably well, that price becomes attractive. But at this stage, too many unknowns to, mm. to look at for round one. OK, talking about unknowns, Aquila Uate, 177. He's made the move to Manly. Manly have struggled in the last few years. How is Aquila going to go? Obviously, if he gets in to dummy half, makes some runs and returns to his best form, then he's only still young. There's still a lot of life left in Uate. Well, he's only, what, 28-ish, I think. Um, and he's a very, very good winger, only, what, three or four years ago um, so we you know I think we've seen a, a couple of rep games where he's dropped a few balls and everyone thinks he's the the worst player of it a lace on a boot but he's actually you know he, he can play and assuming he gets a decent running man he's top side 177 isn't too bad if he finds his way over the stripe a few times uh, the question mark for me is the good form of young Brian Kelly in the trials and a few other guys that are floating around um, Brian Kelly we haven't talked about uh, rookie at 138 K he's come down from the Titans um, I don't know if he'll start round one but he's one to watch later in the season um, what that all means for Aku is that he's um, he's going to have to play well to keep those guys out of the team. Um, so it, it really depends how he goes in the early rounds. Yeah, I'm steering clear at the moment purely just because I need that extra 40 to 30k uh, to use elsewhere in my squad. So I'm really just looking at uh, rookie priced players at, for my uh, bench at the back. But uh, if you do need someone in and around that price point, he's probably one of the more appealing, certainly ahead of Slater at this stage. Yep. All right, let's look at some of the superstars. You've got James Tedesco, 483, Jordan Rapana, 447, Josh Mansour, who had the injury in the Four Nations at 431, and Greg Inglis, who we touched on last week at 421. These are the guys who have the upside of scoring 50 points to 70 points, and they can go big on their day. Yeah, Tedesco for me is the only one I really want in my team. Um, I don't think I can quite squeeze him in just in terms of his price tag at the moment, but I'm, I'm really trying to find a way to squeeze him in there because his, um, his big games are just so massive. Um, the others, I think, are too risky. Obvious, Mansour's no-go because he's out injured, but the other guys, Rapana and Inglis, I think are a little bit too risky or, or up and down for my liking, but Tedesco is definitely on the radar. Yeah, certainly Moylan, uh, you know, exceptional player as well again doesn't seem to hit the heights in fantasy uh that sort of match his you know input in a game so uh again yeah tedesco probably the only one you'd you'd seriously consider there um but that price point is a bit prohibitive tedesco hurt me last year because he had uh, injury played a couple of seasons and so i didn't pick him in my team but then he last year he just had a great breakout year and when he's fit and on the field he can score those points Let's look at some of the mid-range players. Uh, Storm have a couple that might be tempting. Josh Adokar and Silas uh, Vunavalu. <laughs> yeah, stumble on that one. Uh, they're both at the low 300 range, but both if the Storm play well, and you can never write off the Storm, how many years have they proven? They'll be up there again. Uh, they could be in for a big year. Well, can Vunavalu match his breakout debut season? That's the big question. Mm. All his points came through his tries. Uh, you know, Adokar as, as well, 
if he was a little bit cheaper, then yes, you'd consider it. But mm. I can't see at around the 300 mark, it's not uh, not that appealing. No, not for me. Like you said, Vinavalu only scored when he was scoring tries. So whereas your, your Mansours and Radradras of the world can get 40 points without getting a try, Vinavalu was getting 60 points when he scored four tries and 15 points when he got no tries, which to me is just too, too over-reliant on tries and, and not enough on hit-ups and runs and that sort of thing. Ado Carr going from, um, from the Tigers to the Storm potentially could see some more tries and some more work in attack, maybe a little bit of upside, but 305 for a winger is a massive no-go for me. All right, let's put a bow on the wing fullback with some cheapies. Dylan Pithian, 143. If he gets a starting role for the Knights at number one, Surely, he's a pretty good option. Remember Jalen Phoenix? <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> it was, he, he sort of burned us all at the start of last year, and I think most of us were sort of stuck with him on the bench for the majority yep. of the year. Hopefully, uh, Pythian has a great, uh, great season and a great, does a great job there at fullback. Um, yeah, I've got him sort of in my team at the moment, but that may change come round one. I think for 143k for a rookie fullback who's going to be starting in the number one jersey in round one, you just have to take the plunge. Mm. And worst case, it's Jalen Feeney Mark two, and he gets stuck on your bench. But at least he's not soaking up any any of your salary cap. But yeah, I think you've got to do it. Any other players you want to mention before we wrap up the wing fullback? Uh, have we talked about Cameron Munster? I haven't touched on him yet, but is mm. he a risk? Obviously, depending on what Billy Slater does. If Munster plays at fullback, his points should be good, but I have doubts on him. If they move him into the 5'8 role, no doubt that he can handle it. From a fantasy point of view, though, with Cooper Cronk running the show, I think Munster's too, too much of a risk for me. Yeah, I 100% agree. 481k um, obviously shows what he can do at fullback, but too many question marks uh, playing in the halves for my liking. Mm, you certainly see a drop in tackle breaks, you'd expect, and, and yep. uh, running metres as well, so... No go if he's in the number six. Well, that'll about just wrap us up for this episode. Uh, We're off to the season launch tomorrow, so that should be fun. Uh, We're playing the waiting game now. Teamless aren't far away. If you want to support the show, please hit the subscribe button on iTunes. Leave us a five-star comment. If you want to get in touch, you can follow us on Twitter at AndrewBryan321, at CKennedy80 and at Adrian McMurray. Send in your fantasy questions. We'll be back next week with all the team news and apologies to Mitch Orbison. For your chance at $350,000 in cash and prizes, head to fantasy.nrl.com and register your team today. You've been listening to the nrl.com Fantasy Podcast.